Let's start off with the prayer. Good morning, good evening, welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> so, icebreaker for the day. Uh, today it's not Vishnu Sasanama, so you can all you know, be a little at peace now. So, uh, you know, I was listening to, I was listening to uh, 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 Dushan Sridhar last couple of weekends back. Uh, and he talks about uh, this famous, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, story from our Puranas called Gajendra Moksham. How many of you recall that story? where an elephant is caught by a crocodile and, uh, you know, it, it prays and then, you know, Vishnu comes and, uh, you know, rescues and gives it moksha. Do you remember that story? Yeah. From Amar Chitrakada. Yeah, from Amar Chitrakada. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess that everybody knows that story. So here is the twist to the story, what he says, right? So apparently this elephant is gone to drink the water and, uh, you know, elephants are not powerful inside the water crocodile is and the crocodile catches catches the leg and then uh, the elephant is you know in uh, knows that it's going to die and it says rescue me and it's keep it it keeps uh, you know praying to hari you know the, its favorite uh, god saying that hey come and rescue me but then for a long time the uh, rescue doesn't come to him okay so that's the that's the story from the elephant side now what's happening in vaikuntha is so Vaikuntha apparently, you know, um, uh, in Vaikuntha, Vishnu hears uh, the uh, cry for help and suddenly he runs to his dressing room and starts wearing, you know, all his, uh, ara, you know, uh, Shankar, Chakra, Gada, Padma and all that stuff. Lakshmi is terribly upset. Okay, he goes and uh, she goes and says, what are you doing? You know, your Bhakta is uh, desperate for help and you are dressing up. Is this how you're going to save your, uh, save your people? You know, they're all crying for help and you're doing this. This is ridiculous. And she gets terribly upset with them. Then uh, he says, wait, hang on. Then he, he says, then he calls uh, 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 Garuda. Okay. Garuda was already waiting. Okay. But uh, then he, he calls Garuda. Now you come. Now I'm ready. Then he sits on top of it. Then, Vish, then Lakshmi is still upset. Then he says, I'll come back and tell you the story. And he goes and rescues and he comes back. Okay. The story is not about, you know, how we rescues and all that. The story is about what he tells Lakshmi, right? So he says to Lakshmi, see, Gajendra had a particular image of me, okay, holding Shanka, Chakra, Gada, Padma, and in a particular form and fashion. Now, if I go and save him in a different form and fashion, okay, he will not know that I have saved him. Therefore, I have to go in a form that he wants me to save him. And that's why he says, then Lakshmi understands. Interesting. So that is a pretty cute one. What I heard, I thought I'll, I'll share it with you guys today. Hey, is he? Was he looking for the credit that it was he that went and rescued Rajendra? Or 
obviously not but i'm just no i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> no but but the point is i think you know it it had an important learning for me personally right because i think you know small acts of kindness that happen to me from common people or happen to all of us uh, from common people we don't recognize that or we don't at least as, uh, associate it with to the uh, vibhuti of god we just think okay he is helping me because i helped him or he is helping me because something happened to him so whatever but that's not the reality the thing is you know some small acts of kindness that help us in some fashion or the other is an expression of that lord's vibhuti that's the whole beautiful beauty of the whole uh, story for me True, true. Hey, uh, uh, Guntax, uh, that reminds me of a conversation I was having with one person here, one of my friend's uh, fathers who lives in uh, Chennai. A few days ago, I was just saying hello, and uh, we were just talking. So I was asking him, "Hey, uh, how are you all managing?" Because both his parents are uh, in uh, in Chennai. and uh, their son is back in back in atlanta you know we are neighbors and all that and i was just asking him so he went on and on about what him he and his wife you know uncle and auntie were doing and all that and then his last sentence was everything else you know all this corona shorana all that stuff is going on and uh, uh, whatever happens is going to happen but then his last sentence was um uh, the remaining burden everything is with bhagwan and then suddenly because of our discussions and uh, reading and so on and and meditation that meant very that meant uh, to me it it came across as a very different thing from what i used to hear before right yeah yeah people always keep saying that that, that type of thing but when he said that this time uh the effect was different yeah so i immediately started thinking different things absolutely uh, from the gita so that yeah. was uh, so what's what's like been what happening is what's been happening is you know we are trying to rearrange the puzzle in our mind and trying to fit everything properly all right so i know that uh, vivek there were a bunch of questions but if you can hold uh, hold that for a second maybe one of us from the chaturmasa group can give a quick 30 second summary of the third month uh maybe who would go ajay vp mahesh vivek who want to go there you go vp you raised your hand there you are you are the spokesperson for us today <laughs> you are on mute you are on mute i was nodding my head saying not me today um <laughs> <laughs> it is you today <laughs> and and then there was a message popped up so i was you know pushing that back okay <laughs> so now you have to go you have to give the update now yeah all right sure um so i i think uh, you know i can i can say that we are all still enjoying it and i think uh, uh, this month we were not supposed to um have milk and uh, most of us have adjusted very well to that uh that's point number 1 point number 2 i think um, it's interesting we were just uh, sharing some messages and uh, folks are feeling much much better about some of their chronic health problems uh so which was a revelation to me because fortunately i you know 
didn't have anything like that to share but uh, rajesh ajay vivek mahesh they shared some phenomenal you know changes that they have experienced in their health uh, which i thought was uh, i mean i had heard of these kind of things happening to people but the fact that you know we are all going through this chaturmasa together and um, you know it's almost like living vicariously and i could feel that so that was uh, amazing um, experience from my side um, and lastly i would say you know welcome to anu and alpna uh, who joined us uh, this time uh, so that's nice that our uh, group is increasing um, so if any folks are feeling uh, a little courageous they can also yeah left out or courageous they can they're more than welcome to join you know this is just starting again this month and uh, what is the focus of this one sorry think having uh, anu and alpna join is all the effort of uh, rajesh's canvassing in the geeta classes <laughs> <laughs> i think it's you all i mean it is quite inspiring to hear from you all you know how disciplined you guys are i'm just in awe of that yeah seriously i can uh, for me i just need the faintest little headache coming on and then i or if i have to go into work with four year olds i think all this will go out of the window i'll be having that coffee and tea for sure <laughs> yeah. so so yeah. is it milk or is it just is it also buttermilk and yogurt no it's no, just milk yeah milk or milk are fine Yeah. Okay. Nice. Then, then you can count me in because uh, I've stopped drinking milk for the last time. Six, seven years. <laughs> but, there is, but, but there's a but Kishore. There's a long list of things that oh, no. are not are non-toxic that are best avoided. I mean, it is not compulsory, but best avoided. I don't drink coffee. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't drink coffee. I don't Which drink. promptly sent it to me just in case i thought it was just milk and not other things good thanks send it to me also let me decide please all right all right okay i'm going to post that post the uh, stuff in this group so you can pick it up and then you know do it cool that's great so thank you very much vp for that and for the others too and uh, and isn't today ekadashi yes yes yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm pr- pretty sure that uh, most of us are doing that um, today. So, okay. So maybe we should uh, just kick off our discussion today to re- revise it. And Vivek, uh, first of all, you know, uh, I read through the message what uh, you know you wrote on the weekend on the rituals part. Thank you for that. That was really nice. Maybe we can discuss that a little. But then, but before that, I think I had a question from you today morning. I didn't have the chance to go through it completely because I was, you know, transitioning from. you know my meditation to to this so do you want to kick off this particular discussion today and uh, you know post that question so that we can discuss it today um so let me let me find no it was it was just a, it was not a question really it was a suggestion um and you know to the extent that we are going back uh, across all the chapters um i thought you know if the, if the group had specific sort of almost like a challenge question or or a case study if you will and and my own experience with chaturmasa just hearing swami parmanand 
be hearing your discourse, which I missed last week, the discussion of last Sunday. It kind of triggered that actually, you know, Krishna Bhagwan's giving this sermon of Gita to, to Arjuna. But Arjuna is receptive. But in the Mahabharata story, there are others who are not that receptive. So Duryodhana, you know, when he, uh, so, so the way Swami Paramananda in his, in his discourses uh, described it, that actually somebody did ask him, why aren't you doing the right thing? He says, I know, but I can't be bothered. That's, I mean, I didn't realize that. But, you know, so seeing my own experience with Chaturmasa, some parts of it are easy. So, you know, I've, I've, I actually did the fast yesterday. Um, no water, no food, 36 hours, no problem. But I struggle with two, when, you know, in regular two meals a day. I can't, you know, ice cream if I don't have once a day, I'm, I'm, you know, not worth living. So those are knowing the philosophy, knowing the benefits. And, you know, so, so I wanted to understand, uh, given how do we apply this? How do we make a Duryodhana get up to the stage of Arjuna? where he's at least receptive and understanding and putting in focus to understand what the what what you know the teaching of Gita is about. So that was just a suggestion. I mean we don't have to go down that route at all. No, but just to your question, uh, Vivek, uh, I mean you said you can't resist an ice cream every day. You know it is not the right thing to do. So you know it is incorrect yet you have it. So what stops you from not doing, not, not sort of, um, not having the, the dessert? Yeah, it must be some past karmic thing. I don't know. But, but the point is, you, you know, I mean, I wasn't really looking for self-analysis here. It was, it was more an observation <laughs> that some of it works, some of it doesn't work. And, and it's got to do with, you know, what I find when I have an understanding uh, of 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 the benefits, whether it's spiritual, whether it's health, whether it's uh, wealth or any such thing, or knowledge, then it that 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 endeavor of doing something makes sense. Uh, so if I mean, I have I have I, yeah. No, I I've thought about this often, Vivek, and I'm sort of not singling you out. I mean, I face the same challenge where I do often a number of things which I should not, and I know they're wrong. Right. And so you ask yourself why. And, and I mean, to, to begin with, I had no answer. It was like, I, I just put it on willpower as just a way to sort of deflect that sort of blame. Uh, but I think as, as we've gone through the Gita classes, the other sort of aspect which has come to, which kind of occurs in my mind now is that it's about being, having a, uh, you know, are you prepared for, uh, I mean, what's the level of preparation? So the whole sort of, uh, you know, Shata Sampati, you know, just the whole sort of attitude and preparation to do the right thing. So doing the right thing is not about doing the right thing. It's about, you know, being in a, you know, being prepared for it or having sort of alignment around what you need to do. So it's, it's not easy, obviously. That's why we do, we do, we don't do, we don't always do the right thing. And the whole sort of thing around, you know, Shama, Dhamma, the whole perseverance piece, the whole sort of uh, dedication bit, the whole, you know, the Viveka Vivek is easily understood, but then 
to not do the Vivek is the hard part and that requires preparation. That's how I rationalize it at this point. So can I add a few things? Like, uh, I don't know, is sure. it a, like a struggle between a tamasic mind and a, a tamasic mindset or an attitude and a sattvic mindset and an attitude? Or is, is there a battle there between the two which leads to, you know, activities which lead to sattvicness and activities which leads to tamasic? I mean, uh, because that is, uh, and why tamasic? It's maybe because of a number of reasons. You know, past karma, the environment you're brought up and your current environment and the people you're surrounded with. You know, lots of factors play in there to make it make your mind tamasic. And then there is the other side. So is there a you know struggle in there that leads to one kind of activity versus the other kind of activity for a particular person at a given time? Just my thoughts. Yeah, very much so. I think uh, I think uh, there is that sort of element for sure, as I understand it, because when you read some of the scriptures, you realize that the demons were all tamasic, whereas the gods were all satvic. And I would reckon that has a role to play. And I think at any point, like, uh, uh, especially... I don't know, in the yugas, the past yugas and the current yugas that we are in, you know, the demon, the bad and the good, you know, that will always exist. I mean, if there is only good, uh, I mean, that would come probably in Satya Yuga. But uh, up till now, the past yugas and till the current yuga, that is, uh, the, you know, there'll be a constant conflict between the bad and the good until you become totally good because once you know if everything is good then the bad comes and you know then the good tries to neutralize the bad and you know there's there is a struggle in there i mean you look at past histories like if you know things were running smoothly and everything and then suddenly corona has come and i mean it's 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 how i guess people and the world evolves you know, I mean, people uh, coming together to fight for it. And that's, I guess, a part of evolution for us. Yeah. So, Vivek, you know, the, the, the thing that, uh, that was very interesting in your question with regarding how to make a Duryodhana to Arjuna, you know, I think Krishna actually answers it in one of the chapters in Gita. Okay, because we've not gone through the complete Gita verse by verse, right? You know, we've gone, we've gone through the teaching of uh, Swami Dayananda's book. We may, you know, he may have skimmed that particular thing. Uh, you know, I don't recall whether he is, uh, he has not covered that in fully or not. But here is what it says. And, you know, it also, since I'm listening to Brihadaranika Upanishad, it says the same thing in that also. So what it says is that, I think there's a phrase in English, you are your deep driven desires are. I don't remember the full uh, phrase. Okay, basically what it says is that, um, you know, a person's deep driven desires, whether, they, whether the person realizes it or whether they don't realize it, okay, propel that person to act. Okay, you know, so to Sonali's point, right, that's the combination of gunas that 
person is made up of and you know then i'll dive deeper into kishore's favorite topic of gunas right so you know you uh, because of because of that unique combination that each one of us have we have a certain unique set of desires that drive us to do a particular thing that's why each one of us are unique now how does this whole thing happen you know so in the case of duryodhana's case duryodhana knew what was the truth okay what is the right thing to do but because of his desires which overcome his uh, uh, the truth itself and there uh, again krishna gives examples okay he says he gives very beautiful graphic example he says just as uh, a smoke you know thick smoke covers the fire you know this desire covers the reality of what is known or just as this uh, amniotic uh, fluid covers the uh, fetus okay and he says this desire covers it so much that people just don't realize what is the right thing to do because they are propelled by action driven by the desires yeah okay now the beauty is we have to you know just because we fortunate enough to understand this uh, knowledge you know we have a choice okay the choice is now with us people who don't know that you know people with that duryodhana mentality who who know that but they are compelled to do it they think they are compelled and that's a choice what they making but the people like arjuna are making the choice okay i want to know what is happening inside okay if it means that i have to fight although my desire is not to fight i will fight that's what arjuna says finally at the end of it so he makes that subtle choice the concept of free will and choice right duryodhana was not was able to make the choice in a different way whereas arjuna makes it in a different way that's the difference between both of them Uh, if i may uh, add to that uh, rajesh uh, very well explained by the way um, so it i think imagine a uh, imagine a circle or a cycle rather so uh, we are making free i mean there is free will and out of that free will we are making some choices right um and how are how are we making those choices if you see uh, the end result which is that we made a certain choice where did that come from it came from thoughts initially it came in as thoughts and where did those thoughts come from it comes from somewhere deeper inside us which is in the subconscious and that's what um rajesh was referring to so and what and the constituency of the of the subconscious is where the the um uh the rajoguna and tamoguna are at play so from those uh, from that mental um um what do you say uh, patterns is where the thoughts come from from the thoughts if we are not aware of those thoughts at that time it results in speech and action right and those and the speech and action whatever we end up doing which is a choice we made ends up creating more habits and mental patterns and those mental patterns affect the um the rajoguna and tamoguna in the subconscious so it's a it's a cycle right now and it continues on and on and on and it keeps strengthening our mental patterns which strengthens the thoughts which strengthens what we the choices we make and then it keeps going on now you got to break the cycle somewhere right you, you have to break the cycle somewhere otherwise it's just going to go on and on and this is in 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 a different way it's called samsara right i mean outside of the birth and death and all that and even when you say uh, karma it is not something it is our own thing right we are responsible for it right yeah we cannot say um karma independent of us because we are responsible for that and because of being in this cycle or a 
over many births. Now, how do you break this cycle? Now, to break the cycle, I, you need awareness. So uh, where can you break it? You cannot break it at the point of subconscious because that's beyond our reach, beyond our conscious reach. So as the thoughts come into the mind, that is where we have a chance, right? Um, two, two, two places. One is can we, um, at this time, uh, in the initial stages, are we aware of thoughts as they arrive at the mind, level of mind, expressed in the mind? And then before we take an action, whether we say something or we do something, can we, in, uh, can, can we intervene at that point and then make the right choice? So that's where the right action comes in, the right attitude comes in, right? Or the right intention comes in. So the thought is that, hey, I want to say something, I didn't like this, right? And those thoughts are typically coming from the likes and dislikes, as uh, Rajesh men mentioned, strong desires or strong aversion. But when they come in, can I make the right choice? Um, so two things. One is, are we aware of it? More, more often than not, we are not aware of this, uh, this continuous thing happening. But if we slow this down, if we like completely put it in slow motion, and as the uh, thoughts come in, can we intervene? That is one. And second, once we intervene, do we know what is the right thing to do? Right? Which is right action, right intention, and with the right attitude. Um, so when we do that, what happens is we have now changed. We have intervened and we have now changing the mental pattern. And this new mental pattern is going and affecting the subconscious and changing the constituents of the subconscious. And hence, over a period of time, the thoughts that come in don't have the same um, um, uh, weight or the same strength as it was before. Right. So uh, now it's starting to turn uh, the, the thoughts are starting to turn from being a little negative to some more positive, right? Because we have changed the subconscious. So it's like this. Think of the subconscious as seeds uh, in the soil. Now you've slowly changed the, the constituency of the seeds. Now it's going to produce a different type of plant, right? So in the same way, but you got to intervene somewhere. Otherwise the cycle is going to go on and on and on. And that intervention is what we are doing. And that awareness to me, uh, as I understand it, with, um, is, uh, is developed using meditation. Um, that's the awareness that, hey, there is something. I am feeling angry or I am feeling uh, happy. That awareness of what's happening in the, in the mind is, uh, is strengthened using meditation. But everything is interconnected. Whether you're, uh, what you eat, what you, um, how much we sleep, what work we do, how much are we overworked, are we... Um, uh, taking care of our body, right? And the choices we make when we watch something and how, much, how long we watch, everything is interconnected because uh, it comes down to this. Um, it, it's either making us tamasic or rajasic. And from those come the thoughts. So if we want to reduce the strength of those thoughts, then we want to see, see it as a complete uh, self, right? In, in terms of the body, the mind, the intellect. So that's why everything is interconnected. And um, because by doing that, we are reducing the, the, amount of, uh, the amount of thoughts and the strength of thoughts. So we don't have to deal with very strong thoughts when it happens, right? So uh, that's how I understand the cycle happening and what we're doing is intervention. So let me stop there. Right. Yeah. So if, if I may uh, pick up a few things of what both of you said, Radiation Kishore, in terms of 
you know, it's awareness you mentioned, and that's the that's a, at least in my understanding, that's at the highest level. Just being aware of who we are, what we are, what what is the nature of our existence, or or not thereof. Um, but then attitude is another thing you've mentioned. Uh, so 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 that attitude allows us to work towards that, it consistent with that awareness. Um, but there's also ability, uh, right? We have an innate ability and it's, it's the attitude that actually the right attitude helps us change or improve our ability, if you will. Right? That's, that's yeah. what I'm feeling from what, what, you, what, you've, what you've said over here, right? Right. Okay. So, yeah, which is the the attitude we are talking about is the karma yoga attitude we are, uh, that is discussed in um, in chapter two. Uh, there are two things that stick out actually in terms of attitude. Um, one is uh, it talks about yoga as skill in action. Right. When when we um, you know so one attitude is that of working or the right action without being influenced by likes and dislikes. So um, are we picking the right ac the action without being completely swayed by likes and dislikes? I mean, I like to do certain things, but I don't like to do certain other things. Can we be neutral to that, right? Um, so that is equanimity in action. And then there's skill in action, which is to me, the what modern psychologists call as flow, right? Which is, intrinsically interested in the work that you do and you're so committed and so involved in it that you, you are only look, you're doing work for work's sake, which uh, translates to work as worship, right? So uh, to me, that is yet another one as part of action, uh, attitude in terms of doing a work, doing certain work. And then there is the attitude in receiving, which is equanimity, again, samatvam, uh, as when we receive the result. Can I see success and failure with the same, um, in the same way, right? So to me, that is the attitude part. But why, are, why is that important? If you think about why, because as we do this, it is changing our mental patterns deep inside us. And that's the key thing. Because as you said, why, why, aren't, we, why aren't we becoming going from Duryodhan to Arjun? It's because when we see value in something, right? Unless we see value in something, our effort will not go into that. Do you agree with that part? I mean, we need to see value, but the moment you see value, then there is something else that drives us. The motivation comes from within us to see to do that. Now here, the value of following this is that, because for me, I wanted to very clearly understand the why, why, right? I kept asking why. And then I realized that this is actually going back into our subconscious and changing the mental patterns that are deep, are deep seated. Now, because we have changed the attitude towards work, changed the attitude towards the result and a few other things which we can talk about. Again, why? If you ask why, why should I change the mental patterns? Because the mental patterns drive thoughts. Okay, why, why is that important? Because the thoughts drive our action and what we say and what we say to people and so on. So now, why is that important? Obviously, that, I think that part is clear because that is expressed whether 
you know, are you doing the right thing? It depends on the right action and the right speech. And then that again drives or improves or changes uh, the uh, subconscious mental patterns. So, and what are those mental patterns? It's rajas and tamas, right? So it's reducing that. Yeah. Go so, ahead, Rajesh. Kishore, well expressed. And I think I just want to add two things to this, right? So, um, um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just kind of... Uh, going ahead without explaining the logic. But here is what uh, uh, I, I learned in, in, in the readings, what I've, what I've done, right? So when we want to change our behavior, there's always a uh, obstacle, some sort of an obstacle, okay? It could be lethargy, it could be anything. You know, so Duryodhana had this desire, but there was, a, there was either a lethargy or a strong force that was propelling him not to change, right? Now, how can you make that change despite that, right? So there is a technique which, which is part of the sadhana chatushnaya sampati that is called tapaha. Tapaha means, literally means to turn the heat on, apparently. Okay? So when you cook, when you want to cook something, when you want to transform the shape of rice into, uh, rice into cooked rice, okay? Okay. then you cannot do it unless until you, you apply heat to it. Therefore, the same concept is used in, our, in ourselves also. If we want to change some of our deep-driven desires, start somewhere. And when you determine that I'm going to start here, you have to start applying heat there. Okay. When I say heat, in sense like you got to, you got to say, I'm going to stick doing, doing this. And when you start taking that small baby steps, right? That's why, you know, all these rituals that we have, right? You know, things like fasting or, you know, somebody will say, I'm not going to eat this during this, this time of the week, this day of the week, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to this temple 20 times, you know, these 20 temples or, or do different sorts of things. The whole point is they're taking a conscious decision to do something to change their attitude. That's important for them and they change it. That's one thing, okay? Which is the external behavior part of it, which you can change by applying heat to the body. That's the reason why, for example, I am so hooked on to doing this fasting and chaturmasa, not because of any reason, not because it's going to reduce my body weight and all. Those are all incidental. But the most important thing is I'm applying heat to myself to make that change. Okay? The second point, now, this is, you know, Kishore talked about the subconscious thing, which we can't you know, reach to the deeper levels. Krishna has an antidote, even a solution for that. He says, the moment you start doing japa, even what is there in the subconscious, okay, which is quote unquote, the combination of all our papa and punya, okay, he says, the moment you start doing japa, they'll start vanishing. So basically what it means is, you don't know what is there, but you know how you can melt it, which is through japa. Okay. Now, what has come into the consciousness? You know what is there, but you have efforts to melt it. That's the difference. What I see. Yeah, and this is also where uh, Rajesh, to your point, even though we start to know this, right? We we know this knowledge now, and just the fact that we know it doesn't change changes something. No doubt about it, but it doesn't remove the whole thing. And this is where. Krishna talks about inaction not being an option because what happens to existing vasanas or samskaras, right? The, the mental patterns in your subconscious, the existing ones from all these years in this janma and previous janma, what do you do with that? How do you get rid of that? Even though from now on, let's say, even if you are um, uh, very, very cautious and you're able to handle this or you take up sannyas or something and you no longer have that kind of actions coming in and you have become a monk, 
what happens to the existing ones? And this is why they say you, it's sannyas is not is very hard because unless you've kind of burnt those seeds that exist today, you cannot uh, uh, possibly take up uh, monkhood as an example. Even mental monkhood is what I meant. You don't have to physically be there, but even but so there is a constant effort, uh, a, a lot of effort going in into all aspects of our life, that the choices we make in every single thing, right from what we eat to when we sleep and how, we, how much we sleep uh, to the type of work, um, are we getting, are we constantly working on, let's say anger or any other uh, um, qualities that we have to get rid of or acquire new things, new other qualities. There's a constant effort that needs to go in because uh, without that, it's going to be very, very hard. This is my take. And that's why it's hard. This whole process is not easy. No doubt about it. And tapas is, uh, as Rajesh said, it's an important part of this because as you can see, this is a tough one. And unless we are becoming tougher and tougher, be able to make those choices, it's not easy. Hey, um, Vivek, actually, uh, I just want to add to that, but slightly... Um, a slight digression, uh, if, if you guys will uh, indulge me a little bit. I actually, when you asked the question, I went and I was thinking, what the hell is with this guy, right? Why wasn't he changing? So I looked up some stories and one of the things that came up was very interesting. So when he, he gets attacked by Bhima, he's lying, you know, ready to die. And he holds up three fingers. I don't know if any of you, I, I've never seen this story. Very interesting. So he's holding up three fingers. So everybody in the Kaurava camp are trying to figure out what is he trying to say. Then Krishna comes there and he looks at it and he figures out what he's saying. Uh, the first thing is he said, he, he's thinking, I wish I had built a much stronger fort around Hastinapura so you would never be able to you know, penetrate it. And Krishna, he's reading his mind now and he says, Oh, I would have sent Nakula because he's got the fastest chariot. The fort would have been, you know, obliterated in no time. And then the second one he's saying is, uh, you know, I wish I, I had got Vidura on my side to fight the battle. So Krishna then says, I would have joined the battle then. Because there, there wasn't anybody else that could go and fight against Vidura. And the third one is, I wish I had brought Ashwatthama right after Drona passed away. And Krishna says, I would have sent Yudhishthira against him because he would have burnt him alive. Apparently, Yudhishthira, when he gets angry, he burns everybody in front of him. Uh, so everything I thought was all, you know, what Krishna was trying to say was, you can never beat the side of uh, the dharma that, that we guys are in. So just take a chill pill. And, and then after that, Duryodhana just... It just says that uh, his soul left the body immediately and the fingers closed, closed back down. So I think he was at this extreme state. There was no going back for him. Anyway, I just thought that was very interesting. Nice story. Slight yeah. tangent, but I just wanted to, because you made me really curious.
this brings back to the same question uh, rajesh and kishore what i had asked long time back you know uh, uh, i don't expect an answer because we have you know talked enough on this topic it is that from the point of view of duryodhana if he really knew that whatever he is doing was wrong he wouldn't do it at all because he always thought that that, that, that that's a, a similar to that question is what you know, kishore had asked and you had answered is that if a, if a criminal know that what he is doing is wrong he, why would you do it at all so maybe you know the point of views expressed by each one of you the desire part what rajesh explained the cloud you know engulfing the whole thing and uh yeah. and uh, making him behave that uh, in a particular way in a situation even so in the way i have understood this whole thing kishore is this this prapanch what god has you know created this world this will go on forever the good uh, and the bad will exist maybe in some different proportions and he will keep on playing this prapanch see um um a couple of things uh, one is uh, i think it is at least what we do it i think it's very clearly stated that it's it is free will right we, we don't want to um sort of uh get rid of our responsibility the whole point is we are responsible i, I that's one one big take for me actually from karma yoga that no matter we can't just dismiss hey this is something that happened blah blah or because of something else uh i think we can connect everything back to what we do um so in that sense there is a complete 100% personal responsibility right even if the and and um um you know to to your other point which is why we still do it i mean i, I remember swami ji talking about saying even thieves actually um how do we know that they actually know it's wrong because even a thief steals in the night when nobody is watching so even the thief knows that this is not something to be done and they do it when nobody else is watching so yeah, yeah, that's what we say as an example yours, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. it's an anecdote that he uh, says so and even if we take talk about very simple things like let's say um we we know let's say we set out to you know we all do uh, new year's uh, resolutions and what not and then we say oh yeah uh, starting tomorrow i'm going to do x or whatever and it happens we probably do it for a few days few weeks months maybe um and we know that's the right thing to do whether it's getting up early in the morning i'm going to meditate for an hour every day and uh, go for a walk and so on even that those kind of things we often don't uh, we slip off from that right it's not easy as we know it's not easy many of us will stay but we know that there's effort involved to to do that against it almost seems like against some other force that you have to apply this external the opposite force to get us out of that right it's almost like you're working against gravity right so um what is that what is that thing that's pulling you away in the opposite direction even though you know that this is the right thing to do and there is something isn't it and that is a that, that type of force is what we are we are having to deal with and for that we need that strength 
and it happens over a period of time is what and and um, understanding. Hey, uh, I got a question here um, that I I have a feeling even Arjuna feels that way, right? Because otherwise, why would he? Why would he say that uh, I should not kill these people and you know then I'll be committing a sin and uh, other man all that stuff. So he's he's in that state of complete delusion. So um, I guess that's another way of looking at it. If you I think that's a great uh, what is right is completely wrong. Guns. Goods, what you said, what you said was was a good segue into the next thing, right? You know, yeah, Duryodhana is one one different uh, character to analyze in terms of what was his mental state. But let's look at Arjuna, right? Let's presume for the moment that we are all Arjunas now, right? At this point of time, what exactly is the problem that Arjuna was trying to solve, and what is the problem that we were we are trying to solve in our own life? That's very important for us to discuss. You know, why do we need all the stuff? You know, why can't we just live a life the way it is? What's the, what's wrong with it? Very good question. Why do you want to make this change? Take the trouble, you know, go through fasting, go through all sorts of, you know, wake up at 4 a.m. You know, I can sleep till 6, 8, 9, 10. You know, why, why do we want to do this? Ajesh, we are laughing because not many of us do it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but the fact that we are here. I just thought it was a rhetorical question. It was a rhetorical question, not, not to get an answer, but more for us to think about it. You know, when we start yeah. thinking about it, what, one of us will definitely say, you know, okay, this could be the reason why we are doing this, right? And that would connect us back to the Gita. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so I, I'm I, curious I, to hear why. Uh, what do others think? Yeah. What What is the end goal? Uh, where does this all Where does this all go? What is the roadmap? Where, where, what is the destination? Is can I'm curious to hear. I guess I guess it's more towards self realization. You know. Self-realization, who we are, what what we are doing, why we are doing. Why? Why, why do you need to know that? It's In more towards understanding are... ourselves better, be making ourselves more flexible to adapt. Uh, whatever, you know, uh, comes on, uh, on our way so that we understand and adapt ourselves better and lead a much more peaceful or mainly peaceful life okay yeah so happier life i think it finally comes down to that i think if you keep asking why 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 i I kept doing this so in six or seven whys you will end up with because i want to lead a very happy life and did you ask why after that you cannot okay you know why you know why you know why (laughs) again i I kept asking why why do you want to be happy why do you want to be happy because that's the default state. You can't ask why should a ball rest on the ground? It is resting because that's the default state. It, it, you know, as long as it's in motion, it, it, it is restless. And at some point it comes down to a place where yeah. it, it is the default state. So that is nature. Now, what is the default state for us? To me, that answer was the default state is the state of happiness. 
Now, so you can't ask, why do you want to be in the default state? That's nature, right? So it, it came down to that. Believe me, if you keep asking why, in, in seven whys, you'll end up in, within seven whys, you'll end up in, because, you know, I want to be happy or I want everybody to be happy. That's if that's cool. the default state, why do tapas? Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. <laughs> um, uh, so why aren't we in the default state? That's the question. We are not in the default state, right? Um, that should have been the default state. I mean, that is the default state. Um, we are all seeking to get to the default state. Because once you get to the default state, you don't need to worry about it because you are there and there is nothing uh, to make you restless. So we, I think we are all in the path of getting to the default state. Yeah, no, I understand a... that. But I always question the importance of tapas. I mean, I'm still trying oh, yes. to get an answer to that. Why tapas to Why get tapas? to the default yeah. state? Yeah. Um, okay. So I think tapas is very, very, uh, the way I understand it is this process is very hard, right? There's a lot of mental fortitude that's needed uh, to, for instance, because we are reversing our mental patterns. Uh, you know, we, to take some simple things like, we like a certain type of sweet or food. Um, and let's say we keep indulging in it, but we now have to say no to it, let's say. And that's the change we are, or we are saying we, uh, to make it in moderation or eat in moderation. That requires, a certain type of strength, uh, a mental strength, which is all happening in the mind uh, and then expressed later. But that strength is needed and we are building that strength through tapas, right? So it, it is almost like uh, uh, saying, why, why practice, if you are a singer, why practice on a daily basis? Then I know how to sing. But, you know, even the, the most advanced singers I think have riyas every day, whether they, uh, I mean, that's the only way that they feel comfortable doing this. So that is tapas to me, right? The, but singing up is that not default, right? Singing uh, needs to be developed. It's not default state. Even if I practice 100 hours or 100,000 hours, I can't sing well, right? <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I agree. But, but let's say for, uh, let's say for some I'm just let's wearing say. a black, black hat no, here. No, no, right? really no Because question. actually, you know, the reason is because um, going back to Vivek's point, actually, I liked his description of that ritual thing. But intellectually, you need to be really convinced to leave something. And, you know, yes. for tapas, I think that's where I sometimes struggle with. And, and hence, I'm trying to, to just understand it, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. To me, the big... Actually, so, uh, there is a good talk against, uh, uh, in Tamil by Swami Guru Parananda. It's called Value of Values. There's a book. We uh, can forward that book, actually. I like the book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, came down to this. This was a, a, a good revelation for me that unless we have, we attach value to something, yeah. we won't pursue it. Correct. Right. So, um, um, now, so that's why understanding the why is important. Because when we understand why, we understand the value. And then when there is value, we, the effort follows. So um, to me, that became clear. So it, understanding the why became very, very important for me. And, and that's why I was in this pursuit of saying, okay, how does this actually impact? Why are we doing this? So the way I mapped it out is that we're doing all this towards the end of 
uh, I, I started saying that, in fact, I'm, I'm writing something and I'm, I'm preparing some material, but it says, um, I, say, I see that f at the initial stages, it's because we become X percent happier, X percent happier. In the long run, as we continue down this path, the, uh, one of the end states is long lasting, unconditional happiness. Right? Unconditional, again, long-lasting happiness. And then beyond that, we start to spread happiness around the world. So, um, uh, so to me, there are three stations there, three kind of goals, X percent happier, long-lasting, unconditional happiness, and then spreading <coughs> happiness around, right? So that's how at least I'm mentally giving, uh, understanding this roadmap. Why are we doing this? Yeah. So Alpana, you know, um, short answer to what I, I think, you know, to your question, great, great question, right? Think of it this way, you know, there is a huge ocean of water body. Okay. And there is one small iceberg. Okay. The tip of the iceberg is on top of the water body. It's water. This, this is an iceberg. And then there is a huge, the under the water, there is this submerged iceberg mountain whose tip is coming out. Now, the goal of this, uh, this, uh, this iceberg is to become water. In what way can it become? Unless until something happens to the iceberg. Okay. And the, going back to the analogy of heat, when something turns on the heat, you, know, you can break it and all that. Breaking it, you, know, could, you can have pieces and fallen all over, but it's still not integrated into the water. But if you have the heat somehow applied to that iceberg, Top of the iceberg, the one which is exposed, one that is not exposed. I'm just using an analogy to explain it, right? Then at some point of time, the iceberg, which is at a different temperature compared to the rest of the water, has become normal and has become the homogeneous iceberg, uh, homogeneous water body. And that force that applies, that, uh, that makes it, is tapaha. I think I get it. Um, and if I may... Push it too hard, but the iceberg can know that it is water and then continue to be the iceberg. Yeah, yeah. it can be. <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, Alpana, you, you, you bring up a very different point, which is, I think, what they're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is you're saying, can knowledge of that, which is, can that help in, in the same thing, arrive at the same thing, but without having to actually in a different path? Right? Is, is what you are trying to get at. Okay. Yes, some icebergs can be like that, but some icebergs will have to become water. I agree. Yes. But temperamentally, then you need to check, you know, how, how you are relating to. So. Okay. Here, here, I you think something. it will vary from person to person. You know, some people, I mean, I'm giving a real life example. Some person who is very uh, probably engaged in the work life, you know, bring service, uh, bring work, taking care of family, like a karma yogi, you know, taking care of family, uh, bring work, everything. And that person might be happy. Whereas the other person might have to do a japa, you know, to make, to be happy or have the mental peace. So not every person needs to do japa. So I see that within my family only. Not every person needs to do japa to have the mental peace or the happiness. It varies from people to people. Some people get the mental happiness or 
the uh, mental peace or the happiness by their own work that they have done throughout the life you know serving people or you know doing the doing the work for humanity or whatever social service or whatever it is you know and they did not resort to rituals or japa or things like that to get mental peace or happiness whereas some other people might need to resort to this it varies from people to people i think this is just a real life example i'm giving yeah yeah i was just going to say to alpna's question the way i have resolved that is uh, you know by um, and by basically swami sapyananda uh, ji uh, talking about saying that we all prepare for prepare to get the knowledge right so it's like you if you don't do one on one how can hello is it better now Hello. Sort of. Is it better now? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. So I was just saying. Yeah. So I was just saying. Maybe I'll repeat myself. I was just saying that what Swami Ji, the way he has explained it, which I, which resonated with me, is that unless until you go through these some of the paths that you are describing, right, the Shat Sampati or uh, you know Chaturshtayam, Sadhana Chaturshtayam, you are you're you are not going to be ready for that knowledge. Now, in some cases, people are able to skip that. and straight away intellectually get it but most people by uh, are better prepared to at least assimilate that i understand that you know yes yeah so i'm going back to you know uh, rajesh's uh, earlier uh, the thing that why question and kishore answer to that so you know if if being happy is the default state or that is the sixth why or seventh why that uh, you know gives the the thing uh, does it mean that people who are going on this path like us are you know essentially we have realized that we are unhappy and we are going in this path and you know people who are happy they don't have to get into this path at all is that is that how it is really good question that uh, i need to uh, say something no, for more. me it's more of sustainable happiness i think that there are moments of happiness and we all recognize that maybe some um, downtimes are there too but over a period of time you realize that there is something that you need to do to keep it constant permanent uh, yeah you know just uh, listening to the conversation i was thinking that you know we we just heard the story about duryodhan and um from that story what i got was that um he just thought he was right right there was no confusion in his mind that he was doing the right thing we think that it wasn't right but in his mind he was right he never questioned it whereas arjun was questioning his state of mind so i think that you know when you get to the point where you're questioning or if you're confused i think that's probably a step in the right direction you're not you know it's not like i know everything and what i know is right so i think you know going back to people who are not on this path do are they already in the default state of happiness maybe not but maybe they're just not questioning it but manu i think his question is there has to be a trigger why didn't you ask this question 5 years back why didn't you ask this question a few so 
while yes seeking is important why did seeking become important now for for you personally think, so there there, there yeah. is some trigger inside of us no that that's true and you know everybody has their own you know paths but the the important thing in my mind is that we are questioning if you know where we are is it the right place to be is there something more is there a you know can can we do more or can we be a different person and i think that that questioning you know maybe 5 years ago for me you know it was not maybe i was thinking it but i didn't know how to get to it or you know what the path was but i think the seeking of the path is an important you know trigger if if you don't even question it if you think that you know what i have is enough um where i am is you know fine then you're not going to seek anything more you know including this default state this probably also has a little bit of this whole the value so maybe 5 years ago we never saw that there might be value to it and hence you didn't have that trigger to set on the path and at another point in time in your life that value is seems to be there and hence you want to try and then as you go down the path you see there's more and more value and hence you pursue and continue it uh, one one more thing i wanted to add to that is also like how much conviction you have about how desperately do you want to solve the problem or how deeply do you want to answer the question that you had and how much do you believe in the solution that you think you currently have Uh, so one example i could give is like i mean we all grew up with mahabharata on the tv and all our life we knew about this bhagavad gita this great book on which our hinduism is founded and so on uh, which is not true but but just let's go with that and um, but but we still did not dive into this that deeply 5 years or 10 years or any time ago because maybe at the time we thought oh i'm quite happy right now i'm doing like all the moral correct things living a very honest life so why do i need to go behind that but at like some point you kind of keep coming back to this question am i first asking the right question did i did the answer that i give previously to myself the way i convince myself is that correct and then the solution i thought of as like oh that's not for me i can just continue like this and if i just keep doing all these things is this alone enough and i think it keeps on going in a loop and just like the gunas and vasanas theory at like some point if you if you have like enough good karma going in within that loop you you get to this thing like oh i need to learn this little bit more little bit more and then you learn about oh there is this like kishor mentioned uh, there is this default state that you want to get to and then like you even question like is the happiness the way that i am defining the right happiness or the true happiness or is there like a real constant pure consciousness happiness that is out there that we need to strive for at least or at least understand a bit more i think that is where the loop gets a little bit stronger oh maybe i'm not asking the right question let me go here and then from there you understand a little bit more and say oh happiness is defined as a little bit more differently here and these are all the things that i need to do and you start to believe in that like oh maybe if i do this then i can ask one more maybe i'll listen to one more lecture and get one more idea of how to make this better and then that becomes a positive loop i think we are like probably on the another right thing where we are going now with like enough momentum that we are no strongly questioning ourselves 
asking the right question, finding some way, supply it, see if it works, and then at least we have enough momentum to keep asking more and ask, striving for more and do some effort towards that. And maybe if, you if know I, we've moved. We are moving from sort of a Duryodhan frame of mind where we think that everything you know we were right to more of an Arjun frame of mind and questioning you know mm-hmm. why yeah. we're doing what we're doing and is there a better way? I, I think I think uh, you know generally. Go ahead, Ajay. Sorry, generally speaking, I mean, uh, again, you know, we can reflect back on our sort of uh, lives and how we've kind of responded to different situations. But I think human tendency generally is to look for solution yourself, right? First thing you do is kind of say, I'm going to find a solution. And you kind of work within your limitations and ignorance and kind of look for solutions. So Arjuna is a good example where, you know, to begin with, I mean, he started saying, okay, I'm going to just quit and run away because that he thinks is the right solution, right? So I think the, the human tendency is to find, you know, solutions within. And only you, when you get to the point where you say, look, I need an expert. I don't get it. Uh, you know, my solution may or may not be right. And I need an expert, which is the guru that you kind of, so it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a journey from sort of finding a problem or having a problem, trying to find a solution yourself, getting to a point where you say it's going nowhere. And then you kind of say, okay, I need help, right? Now, again, you know, in our sort of, at least in my sort of thing, I mean, I've heard of the Mahabharata and wanting to learn the Gita forever, right? And, you know, you go through your own sort of processes of, you know, problems and happiness and sorrows and everything else. And then through a combination of circumstances, and obviously Rajesh, you know, we kind of met for dinner the other day, you know, last year, uh, you know, you get to a point where you kind of start to trigger that, further and you get to the right place and you kind of say, look, I, I can't solve this problem. So I need to kind of talk to somebody else. It could be an expert. It could be, you know, your school admissions for your child. It could be anything, any, any, anything in life. You first solve, try and solve it. You don't get to it. You get to a point where you kind of get stuck and then you get seek advice. So it's a journey. And for some people it happens sooner. Some it happens later. So I don't think it's important how we get there, but the more important thing is we've gotten there. But do we really need to have a guru is that how everybody perceives it? No, I think that's a fantastic way to articulate, Ajay. But do we really need a guru? To, or, you know, these are all the right steps. Ultimately, is that a target state where somebody who can guide you more focused with a lot more knowledge? Oh. That's a good, good revision question, what we, what we would have. In fact, there's... <laughs> Podcast, you might want to listen in that we have all talked about. It's called, Do We Need a Guru? That's a podcast. Okay, it's part of our podcast thing. But the short yeah. answer is, yes, we need a guru. Sooner or later, you lead someone. A guru can need not be definitely a person, but it can be a book or something like that. That's, that's a different topic. But there, are, yeah. there, there is a guru that, is, that we need. All of us need. Anything, yeah, anything that can shine a light. Hmm. So I, I want to add a few things here. Uh, you know, this reminds me of the management uh, training programs that we have or have undergone. Like there is something called the Pavlov or the Maslow of hierarchy need. Uh, you know, hierarchy of needs. So what are our needs? Basically, once we start, I mean, we all are coming from similar backgrounds. Okay, so we pass through college, we go for a job, we go for higher education, or go for a job, then, you know, look for a house or a car or a family, 
So our needs, you know, and then you have children and your children are now grown up or to a lot extent do not need so much of your time. So all of those needs are fulfilled. And now you are finding, I think, some free time or spare time to, you know, think about, you know, where I am, what I am doing. You know, because before that you were so caught up in the rat race. I don't think you have, I mean, in general, people had time now. Things might differ from, you know, there might be exceptions to that. Like I have been an exception. I mean, I read Ram Mahabharata, Gita, you know, long back. I mean, at that time, we didn't have all these facilities for postcards and all that. But I read long back Mahabharata, I mean, Gita and all this. I had books, you know, because I went through a lot of trouble sometimes. But that is different. What I'm saying in general, people are so caught up in the rat race. That they don't have time only now that your children are grown up or at a particular stage much stable your life is stable that you know you're finding time to seek out the, uh, the meaning or the understanding of the way life is or you know now next what you know i think we are most of us have reached our goals and expectations in life so now next what so now we are seeking to the spiritual aspects of our life to get more guidance and light to go further on. Sonali, the way that you put it, Sonali, the way that you put it, it seems to be a classic midlife crisis, but I don't think that's actually <laughs> a crisis for everyone. Yeah. I think we had these questions for a long time. We just, you're right. We not, got the not necessarily, not necessarily. Hey, uh, hey I, I just want to uh, give a slightly different point of view to that. Uh, I was uh, extremely curious to see what was in the scriptures back in college. So to Shamala's point, I went and started reading, you know, Radha Krishnan's works and um, tried to make sense of it. Absolutely, completely lost. The, I, I could not make head or tail of it. I mean, it, it was so bizarre. And then all the signs, the uh, injection that was happening when, when I was going to college and, and all that, versus what I was reading had completely no connection. So um, what happened was uh, it just faded away. I just said, this, this is just uh, ridiculous. You know, I, I'll pardon my French, but I, I'll just be very honest. Uh, it was, sorry, uh, I'm having some video. Let's see if I can, okay. By the way, we're recording this, uh, Gun, so please. Yeah, yeah, uh, no more French. So, um, uh, anyway, so what happened was uh, it, it faded away, right? And few weeks ago, I called Guntax up, you know, 2016, we had the reunion, meditation sessions and all started. Off and on, I was participating. I saw some benefit. Um, and then I, I happened to uh, just search again. I went back because uh, Guntax was explaining or Rajesh was explaining several things during the meditation. Uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to go and do a search on the podcast and see if I can find something. So I landed on uh, Swami uh, uh, Guru Parananda's uh, lectures on the Upanishads. So I started listening to that and uh, it was just phenomenal. Um, there was so much science in that. It was unbelievable. And I was actually, when he was talking, I could uh, make some sense out of it. And I felt so different from the previous time, you know. So all I, all I wanted to say was the slightly different point of view here is if I had had the same person talk to me back in college, I think it, it would have been very different. 
it need not have happened you know um 2 months ago it could have happened 25 years ago for me so that that's why i don't think there is any uh, bar to uh, any time you could you could go and try to uh, learn this and practice it of course so so on on that uh, to follow up you know continuing from uh, the, the the previous two comments shamala and uh, as well there is the power of manifestation and the guru if you look at it this group is also some form of a guru at least in my understanding the fact that we all come together and share and led by rajesh of course um but the wheels of this was set in motion when we were 18 years old yeah now in between <laughs> the manifestation happens you know we we have all gone through our own individual journeys of learning seeking inquiring understanding and have all come to this because you know we have we have what 600 600 classmates and we are about 20 of us who've converged at this point in time and 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 that's the beauty of this whole you know the way the wheels turn so yes you know guru is necessary but for me i i see a guru more as a supplying supplying concept the book is a guru the very first chapter in this book that we've been studying completely blew me away i've never read or even thought of anything like that in my life yeah in fact if 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 the first chapter wasn't there i think the rest of the book is pretty dull uh in in you know it's it's, it's quite a dull reading so yes a guru is necessary yes but, but there is a the power of manifestation how we ourselves set in motion various things um and 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 things connect at at uh, so i think in, the, in in some of the past discussions i mentioned one of the things that happens with me is i take a lot of flights but i meet people at random from very far back i run into them and have lovely uh, discourses on a plane uh, so actually my the last trip i took to 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 chennai who did i meet you know few seats away from me anusha from from our uh, Uh, one one year below us um it happens to me all the time and this manifestation of you know people coming in and out of one's life knowledge coming in and out is beautiful so so i think i think we i think we greatly summarized uh, the the problem statement i think all of us are facing i mean from the from the geeta context arjuna had a different problem but looks like all of us have some sort of a dissatisfaction discontentment which i think the book covers in the initial chapters which vivek you referred to as well i think we all recognize that there is a quote and quote a problem with us right and uh, we are trying to figure out what the solution to the problem and since you know to use to suggest words our own experimentation our own uh, knowledge seems to have found us some patchy solutions not necessarily that they did not find solutions they found that found patchy solutions but we seem to be you know to borrow again uh, you know manu's words a perfect solution for that right somewhere so we're trying to you know a perfect continuous you use some nice words i'm sorry i'm not able to remember that you know you some constant happiness or something you know nice visual also you did so i think if if we get to that state what is that state that's what you're trying and, and i think i think the amongst the several paths one of the path is is this actually if you recall you know just taking back 
to 1960s, right? You know, before we were born, of course, we've read about it. There is this culture of hedonism and hippieism. Do you think why it did not succeed? Can you guys guess why it did not succeed? It happiness was not a, dependent on external. Yeah, impermanent, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Hippie culture was supposed to be the great culture and, you know, brought up by Beatles and, you know, popularized by later on by several people. But it never succeeded. If that were the path, it would have succeeded any time, isn't it? It never succeeded. Why not? Think about it. Right. See, uh, just to add to that, actually a good point that you brought up. One of the things when we say that this default state uh, and also to Satya's question, uh, uh, which I think we kind of touched upon, but not completely, is the second part of what I'm, I was, I started to realize, which is unconditional, right? I mean, the, we do see this happiness, no doubt, right? It's not like we don't, we're not happy or anything like that. Uh, we do see happiness, but it's it, the happiness that we typically call as I'm happy seems to be very conditional. Right? When this happens, when I am in a certain place, when I'm with certain people, or when certain things happen, a situation happens, when I get this promotion or get into this college and whatnot, whatever those conditions are, then we are happy. Right? So we connected to that. But the fact is, any of those things is bound to change. All of those things are bound to change. So uh, in a way, we are connecting ourselves to something else that's constantly changing and is not in your control either. So it's constantly changing and we connect our happiness to that. So obviously we are going to experience change in the, in the, in the default state, in the state. So we are not experiencing happiness as, um, but what we are seeking for instance is, is why not have unconditional long lasting or, or happiness that lasts forever? Is it not possible? Why not aim for that? is the question right so um so there is a difference in this gradation i would say of what we usually consider as happiness which is conditional and something that so when you ask make it unconditional then it cannot be based on something that's changing because anything that changes cannot give you something that's constant right i mean i i think um once that becomes clear then you start to depend on happiness on something that does not change. And what is that something that does not change? For sure, right? And this book and the gurus and uh, through this, they're pointing us towards this path saying, there is something in you that does not change. Everything else is constantly changing. Because if you tie your happiness to even your, your own body, the body is changing, right? Saying that, hey, I have this beautiful body and, and when the body is such, then I'm happy. And that's going to change. So your happiness is going to change, right? Or with a relationship or with somebody. That person is changing, you are changing in very unpredictable ways. And then you're tying the happiness to the, the connection point between that, which is a relationship. Obviously that is not constant either. So you got to, the whole point of self-realization is that we connect that happiness to something that does not change. To me, that, is consciousness when you look through our lens. And when you realize that, then you do things, you perform actions, you achieve things, everything, not for happiness, but from happiness. That's what Swamiji says, which is the, the, the subtle difference. 
Kishore, well said. And I think that's a, you know, uh, powerful thing. You know, you, you know, if we have not uh, revised the chapter six of the book that we are following, the book is, the chat, chapter is entitled, You Are Happiness. One of the things that really blew me away was this beautiful analysis which says, is happiness outside? Then Swamiji argues saying that, no, it is not outside. You should read that chapter once again. Reread that chapter. I'm pretty sure all of you have read it. Please reread that chapter. The way that he says is, it's not outside. Then is it inside? Then is it in your liver, lungs? Then he determines and he argue, logically argues it's not there. Then if it is not outside or not inside, then where is it? Then the answer he gives, you know, it's you who are happiness. You don't realize it. And such a beautiful argument, you should, you should reread that part of it, right? And that's so powerful. The moment we realize that, then the dependence on external objects or even our own physical body or mind state, you know, then this goes away. And then going back to the iceberg analogy point, right? The thing that Alpana was talking about. Then you don't need to melt the iceberg. You are happy. You're done. Yeah, I think Rajesh, if I may add on this, uh, I think what uh, Kishore just said very, very beautifully that uh, you're, you're coming from the point of happiness, uh, but not for happiness. So I think this whole point of changing the reference point. VP, can you please cut off your video? Can you cut off your video? We can't hear your audio. Is it better now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, sorry. I was just saying that what Kishore just said was very beautiful. um, That you are coming from happiness um, and not, not looking for happiness. And I think that, to me, uh, you know, brings back some something that Alpna had said uh, uh, in the chat, I think, um, saying that, you know, you change your reference point, that you start thinking that, um, you, you know, you don't have to get free of person, but you are getting something like that she had explained very nicely. So the changing of that reference point is very, very hard. And I think that takes a lot of thinking and uh, the things we are doing, uh, reading books, etc., to to make that conscious change in that reference point. Yeah. Yeah. The saying was, "The person doesn't get freed; you get free of the person." That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. And, and another favorite line, and another favorite line like that is that uh, I have read. Uh, I have read. Uh, uh, all these scriptures, but have the scriptures uh, gone through you or something like that, right? I mean, right. That, those kind I've of things really, yeah, I've gone through the scriptures. Thank you, Ajay. Um, so, so that's, those kind of sentences really bring it together for me that it's all about changing your reference point um, before you start to understand, you know, what these uh, Swamiji's and the books are telling us. That's Both it. of us have listened to Swami Sarupriyanandaji's too much. <laughs> No, but, but I think, <laughs> no, but I think what just Kishore said—that's that—that's yeah, what yeah. got me. No, absolutely. That's what, Very well said. Yeah, I, I realized that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's the beauty of this satsang, <laughs> right? You know, it's important that you know we get together and talk about this because it reinforces the concepts, and you know, sometimes we pick some things from each other, and then we say, "Oh, this makes sense," and then one one more piece in our life starts fitting in together. So I, I know I know we're kind of uh, out of time, Rajesh, but there's one other thought which has kind of been on mind for a while. We always talk about this in from the reference point of Arjuna on one hand and uh, and uh, uh, 
Duryodhana on the other side, right? I've been intrigued by why, what was going through the minds of the uh, gurus, the acharyas, right? Who were on the other side of Arjuna uh, for two reasons. One, the whole debate between dharma and adharma, which I'm assuming they would be aware of. Okay, so one was, sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah. Is it better? Yeah. So one was from the point of view of dharma and adharma, which, uh, which I'm sure these acharyas would be fully aware of. And the second being that they were acharyas, they were not kshatriyas, and they should be neutral in that sense, I would have thought, having been the acharyas for both sides uh, at some level. So, you know, I, I don't understand that part of it. I haven't been sort of, I haven't read the Mahabharata or understood it well enough, maybe. But that's something which intrigues me. Yeah, we'll park that for some time. Maybe when we get to Mahabharata sometime, we will talk about that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, it's something which sort of just rankles me a lot. Yeah. Okay. I just noticed uh, that Rajiv has been pretty silent the whole time. Mahesh was trying to say something, but we could not uh, give him a chance. We were all overpowering everybody. So maybe Mahesh, you were trying to say something. Do you want to say it? Because we've got two more minutes. We probably can stretch it for a couple of more minutes if everybody's okay. And uh, then we can go to Rajiv. You have to unmute yourself, Mahesh. Yeah. Yeah, the, the points discussed were very clear. I mean, as Kishore was mentioning, happiness and uh, I mean, right from my childhood, I had this doubt of happiness itself. I mean, why seek happiness? You know, that was, I mean, I mean, I see that everybody was happy except me. You know, that was my thought. You know? I, mean, I was thinking. I mean, and I mean, whenever I see people are happy, people are drinking, enjoying, I, I thought that was real happiness. That was real happiness. And one somewhere around 1990 or somewhere, I took beer for every day, but I never found happiness. You know, I mean, I mean, I was thinking that was all happiness and uh, uh, this is what is happening. I mean, I was trying to emulate others, trying to find out happiness. I mean, uh, then I realized there's nothing of sort of happiness outside or inside or anything like that. And uh, we need to really understand what this happiness is all about. And it's been hitting us, you know, everywhere you go, they are saying, are you happy? Are we happy? First of all, I didn't know what happiness is all. I mean, and, I mean, it was such a strange concept. I mean, sometimes, okay, all I know is sorrow. If I'm not sorrow, it is happiness. You know? I mean, and then we had to get rid of this sorrows. I mean, uh, then I was thinking, I mean, what to do? I mean, what are the solutions for this? Everywhere you go, problem. I mean, you had to study maths. You have to go to school. I mean, I, you have to memorize all these maths. My memory is weak. There itself is a problem. You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I, mean, I can't concentrate. There itself is a problem. Everywhere is a problem. And I wanted a permanent solution for all that. At the same time, ending your life is not a solution also. <laughs> then, <laughs> I mean, if you think of it, everywhere there's a problem, problem, problem for I mean, every, most of them. And somewhere uh, people show enjoying his happiness, drinking happiness, smoking his happiness, and we tend to catch on to that happiness. I mean, I would rather say drinking and smoking people actually do it for happiness, which I've done quite long. And, uh, and I mean, it was a wrong notion. I mean, see, I mean, I mean this is how uh, happiness uh, is, goes into the mind. And uh, slowly, slowly, when I realized that started hitting my health, then I said, no, this is not happiness. You know, so I mean, uh, 
happiness again is a concept here i mean it it may not be really it's it's again a relative term i mean if there is no sorrow it's happiness i mean if there is happiness there is sorrow i mean there should be sorrow i mean is is my understanding and uh, we 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 see to seek solutions in this particular sense i mean like a small baby always takes care of the i mean looks after their mother or father we as uh, individuals also i mean seek father in heaven or you know this is how we look at it i mean okay if father and mother are not there now somebody has to help us okay let's see father in heaven if there is something he can help us you know that is uh, that is where the first thing a uh, kick click or starts of uh, i mean we look at it i mean i mean what we are terming terming now happiness is actually not really happiness is absence of sorrow for the moment the moment sorrow hits it then we look up at the father as the solution or a mother as a solution uh, okay then we have to find out that that is where the path kicks in you know so i mean this is my experience personally which i thought is better to share with you all yeah. little lovely I mean, very I'm lovely it's well yeah, well thank you thank you yeah <laughs> love, love the explanation and um, definitely echo your uh, past life yeah. <laughs> all right rajiv over to you rajiv Okay, so because we've run out of time, and I really—I I mean, I was not holding myself from saying anything. I really enjoyed today's discussion. I think it was one of the best uh, since I've joined this group. Free wheeling, and I think a lot of good concepts—the Papa concept, and you know what Kishore was explaining. You know, I always had the drift that how do you really reprogram your, you know, conscious mind consciously? You know, how do you use your thought to? you know go to your subconscious mind because I always thought you know meditation and all help you to work on the subconscious and that's the only way so i think i learned uh, many new things and some of the old concepts were reinforced and some were clarified and uh, just one or two thoughts you know this duryodhan example you know versus what vivek was saying so duryodhan you know there are different levels of awareness i know i am doing bad and still i'm doing bad is a better state than i think i'm doing okay where what manu was talking about there's no conflict you know so if you know you are compelled to do bad at least you are aware you are doing bad but if you think you are doing good and you are doing bad then you have a bigger problem so i don't know where duryodhan is exactly and i think this gurshan das book difficulty of going to doing good also talks a bit about that so and the other example you know of uh, eating the ice cream i think is not directly linked to the duryodhana kind of a thing i think it's more of the trade off in our head i mean in a, because subconscious mind and the mind is playing the game probably with us is saying yaar aisi koi badi baat nahi hai agar ice cream kha bhi li to koi toofan nahi aane wala i have done the rest of the things so might be the mind is playing the game and telling you the trade off is in favor of the ice cream you know so that's what i think and last point on happiness i think uh, and rajesh i'm sorry I've, you know lot of people have you know who have read your book have given lot of praise i'm still reading your book so regarding happiness i think it's a good alibi or a good motivational tool to have but i think if we uh, i think happiness or is it pleasure is it fun i think uh, the closest i have understood you know because then most of the swamis are anand you know and people think anand is bliss so i think we without getting into too much of that the easiest one which i got is from buddhism which says ashok you know shok ka ant but yeah. uh, whatever i have heard and you know whatever my bosses and mentors have told me he never talked about anand you know although his right hand man was his name was anand so i'm just saying that uh, you know end of suffering or you know ashok 
is also a kind of uh, happiness but you know what is happiness are you bubbly all the time are you blissful are you having fun pleasure i think so even if we leave at that and i i mean for me you know uh, you know ashok is a good enough motivation to be on this path so i'll end here thank you no, thank you for great. having me on this call feel best today awesome especially awesome. today awesome i think we've exceeded 5 minutes today since we talked a lot about uh, you know uh, uh, beer and everything i was reminded of a whatsapp joke you know beer uh, uh, b- uh, rises in the east by e a s t and sets waist w a i s t so <laughs> <laughs> so remember that so that's not happiness for us so <laughs> okay cool so uh, i think uh, you know uh, just to quickly recap what we did today i think we mulled quite a bit in terms of understanding uh, you know it's going to look at the toc of this book right uh, in terms of the human problem you know what is the problem the problem of discontent what we have and why we search for the solution we didn't talk about the three limitations that we have but i guess that that's something that we probably will have to you know read offline maybe we can talk about it in the next class we never talked about who am i we never discussed that concept but i think we delved quite a bit to really understand and maybe come to a conclusion that maybe we all of us are seeking quote unquote a constant happiness we have our own definitions of it abhav of sorrow in some cases so in some other cases something else whatever it is we we really don't know but i think we understand that there's a discontent and we need to become contented that seems to be reasonably clear at this point of time in in the current uh, summary of what we have and there are multiple paths that we can take and all that stuff and sometimes our our, our uh, knowledge our limit we have our limitations in terms of our knowledge as to how to apply and therefore we need somebody i think we've dealt upon some of these things so maybe in the next uh, gd we probably will have to look at you know uh, uh, tilting a little bit more in favor of you know understanding the other things that we have not discussed but we have read so far in this chapter 15 i hope that should be okay with all of us all right with that a great session today thank you so much and alpana over to you All right enjoy your weekend and we will meet next weekend thank you 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 th